a new world order. It appears to be a strange interlude in American history. A new world order. Rises not from the cloth as an institution, but from human beings within it. But we cannot yield our constitutional test to the personal judgment of a few men. A new world order. To get ready for the delivery of the bomb. For the delivery of the bomb. A new world order. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths. But we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy for expanding its sphere of influence on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of election, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operation. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silent, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. A new world order. Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. A new world order. before my term is completed is abhorrent to every instinct in my body. But as president, I must put the interests of America first. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. A new world order. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations. A new world order. A new world order. A new world order governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, we will be. We have a real chance at this new world order. A new world order. An order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision the U.N. founded. A new world order. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sex relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. A new world order. 52 here in New York. I'm Brian Gumble. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. You're looking at the uh, World Trade Center. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything more than that. With Muslims. We don't have a beef with Muslims. We want to be friends with Muslims and Muslim children. A new world order. What difference at this point does it make? A new world order has sought to rebut charges that it paid ransom for five Americans released from Iranian captivity back in January. Even as senior U.S. officials now admit they withheld the $400 million assembled in hard foreign currency until they received word that the hostages were being set free. A linkage of the prisoner release to the payments that spokesman for the State Department had previously denied. Now, in response to a report in the New York Sun, the Obama administration has confirmed that it was just two days later on January 19th that a Treasury Department account known as the Judgment Fund, was used to send Iran an additional 13 payments, each for $99,999,999.99, or roughly $100 million each, to satisfy the interest that Washington negotiated with Iran. A new world order. A new world order. A new world order. Well, today the Durham report finally came out, and as suspected, FBI, DOJ, acted vastly uncorroborated so-called evidence that they used to hound President Trump well over two years to try to influence the 2016 election as well as make uh, the administration untenable following that. A new world order. But what this amounts to is influence peddling, plain and simple. It is foreign entities filling, filling the pockets of the Biden family with $10 million through a nebulous web of 20 different companies. It's an elaborate shell game. And amazingly, some of these transactions happen while Joe Biden was vice president. A new world order. Welcome to the masquerade. Welcome to the masquerade. I am your host. The most censored man in all of America today. My track record on social media will prove as much to be true. I am the original Joshy Cox. 
I am loud and I am proud. And that's because I am proud to be a voice of patriots. I am a voice for freedom. And I am leader of Joshua Hollicks worldwide. And I am so happy to be bringing you uh, episode number three, season number four of Masquerade Podcast. And uh, it's good to be back. I had to take a little bit of time off. If you don't take the time off, especially when you were um, pretty much you know, neck high uh, trying to tread water in the um, current geopolitical arena, uh, if, if you will, it can absolutely drive you insane because it is a constant um, – it's like a cat and mouse game. You're constantly uh, giving chase or being chased one way or the other. And with the plot lines constantly changing and the twists and the turns and the developments, and you know, it, it's literally a chess game because you're trying to figure out uh, you know, three, four moves at a time because that's how the world – that's how it works. And we all – if you can't see by now, I don't care what side you, you, know, you align yourself with, if you cannot see that there is a great uh, – not great, but a greater power uh, of – a certain class of individuals, um, you know, I, I call them the elite, uh, the, the ruling elite. If you can't see that that is taking place right now, um, honestly, I feel sorry for you because it's, you know, some people see it and they, they won't admit to it because they don't want to uh, own up to it. They, it's easier to ignore or act like it's not happening, pretend that it's not happening. But I don't really, I mean, we could end up in the same position at the end of the day. I, I don't know. But I would rather know that I am a little bit more uh, better prepared uh, in case of a bug out, in case of a, a situation where there is some sort of a major um, hostile actions taken against we the people. And I feel as though as long as I'm staying up to date with it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of putting my own pieces, my game pieces, if you will, kind of like a, a game of chess or like a, uh, you know, a board game. And I'm maneuvering at all times and trying to stay ahead of you know, their next five, six moves. Because we have to, because there's so much that we don't even know what happens or goes on. But uh, we'll get back to that in, in a minute. Um, I want to first off say happy Memorial Day weekend to everybody. Uh, hopefully everybody is enjoying themselves and they're being safe. I hope that every one of you out there, all the Joshua Hollicks worldwide, are being safe uh, and just enjoying yourself, spending time with family and with friends, the people that mean most to you. But also uh, just giving thanks and um, in remembrance. And memorializing, I mean, that's how this day, you know, got its name. The, you know, the brave men and women that have fought so hard for us to have the freedoms that we still enjoy. And it's time to be thankful for what we do have in that regard. So I am thankful for those who gave themselves and made the ultimate sacrifice so that we could, so I could be here today uh, doing this podcast or tonight uh, and doing this podcast and, and then addressing everybody, you know, all around the world. And uh, you can hear this all around the world. Just want to remind everybody, now that we are back, the return of the Masquerade, it's the Masquerade Podcast Season 4. You can hear just about all of your major podcast vendors out there, all of your major providers, Spotify, um, Spotify for podcasters, iHeart, HoneyPod, Pocket Cast, Pod Hero, PCast, Podverse, Amazon Music and Alexa-enabled devices, uh, Podcast Addict, Capsule, Podomatic, Player FM, Stitcher, Deezer, Apple Music, Boomplay Music, Ghana, uh, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Fountain, Memento, Hubhopper, Podcast Go, Radio Republic, uh, just just to name a few, and, there, and there's more out there as well that I'm not even thinking of right now and forgetting, but you can check them out all over the globe. No matter where you're at, you should have access to the Masquerade Podcast, and that's the most important thing, and just getting that message out there, building a team. And uniting, and, and I think Memorial Day weekend is a great time to reflect on that as well. And what can be accomplished when we unite as a people? And I think that you know that that's a token statement, and I think it's a, a very uh, important statement to make is that we need to unite. And I have a very valid reason for saying that, and that is because we have you know the people that are against us right now that are trying to break us, trying to enslave us, trying to starve us for God's sake. They have been playing on the same team for way too long. They have, they've had their team assembled, and here we are. They have us so divided and bickering and fighting that we wouldn't stand a chance right now unless we really start making progress. We, you know, you got people like uh, Chuck Schumer, uh, Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, 
Nancy Pelosi and John Kerry have all been on the same team. Nancy got in in uh, 87 to begin serving. So right there's 36 years. John Kerry was 1985. So right there's, um, you know, 38 years, basically. And then Chuck Schumer, 1981. I mean, he and Joe Biden have been together since for that long, which is 42 years. And then Biden, of course, has been in office since 1973, for God's sakes. You know, and... John, John Kerry's bounced around from all over the place. And that's going to bring me to my next point is John Kerry, Mr. Forbes. I mean, he he was born with his mother uh, being a member of the Forbes family. Her maiden name was Forbes. And, of course, he went to Yale University. And that explains a lot. Uh, you know, skull and crossbones. He, he's a member of the uh, secret society from his very earliest days when he was attending uh, college. So, you know, we're going to get into that now because John Kerry's name just recently came into the news for just more absolute ridiculousness. So, you know, Mr. Kerry, uh, once at one time he was a uh, he became a uh, United States senator, <clears throat> and then he became a presidential candidate running against George W. Bush uh, in 2004, and then he became a Secretary of State under Barack Obama uh, as the uh, he had succeeded Hillary Clinton as the uh, Secretary of State, uh, and that would have been uh, 2013 to the remainder of, uh, you know, 13, 14, 15, and 16. And John Kerry will now turn 80 years of age uh, at the end of this year, uh, December 11th, actually. At, when you're a billionaire like a John Kerry, and you're married into the, the Heinz ketchup family, he has made billions of dollars in his own investments, his own uh, investment portfolios uh, throughout his career that he has I'm sorry, but no one's going to convince me otherwise that he didn't make that fortune by the privilege of his position at the time. And now he still can't go away. So you fill up all the uh, cabinet positions in this presidential uh, administration, but you make a special position just for him. And you make that the climate czar. Now we're having czars. Now, if you ask me, I think that just the word czar in itself, and some will argue that just means an expert. But in my opinion... The word czar almost sounds like a monarchy. That is given to like a, a controller, a dominant uh, figure, you know, and an elder that's wise and, you know, is, is kind of superior. And obviously, in my opinion, John Kerry's not superior to anybody, maybe by wealth. And we shouldn't be measuring superiority uh, based on wealth. But he is a climate czar now, um, as funny as that sounds. And he was at a he was speaking at a Green Agenda conference that was held recently uh, here over the past week in Washington D.C. And during the uh, United States Agriculture uh, Department, it was during their Aim for Climate Summit, as they called it. He was John Kerry was speaking out as the climate czar. He was urging farmers to seize their growing operations. Do not plant, do not harvest. I, I couldn't even begin to fathom, like, it, it just sounds that ridiculous. It's because they want a food storage. It has nothing to do with climate. I've never heard of that in my lifetime. And he is urging farmers to seize their growing operations. And he says, we can't get to net zero. We won't get this job done unless agriculture is front and center as part of the solution. And then he goes on to say, lives depend on farmers holding their operations. And stopping farmers from planting food will lower agricultural emissions. He, th these people have lost their, their fucking minds. Pardon my, my French, but read between the lines. And they're, now they're going to blame it, and it's not even the emissions. And that's where, you see, you can pick apart their defenses all the time. It's not that hard to do. It's not difficult. Now, I give them credit for their plans and having so many uh, moves planned out in advance. And being able to go four or five steps at a time, like a chess game, and the fact that their, their progress and their plan has been executing over so many years, uh, you know, at least 100 years, actually longer, but agricultural emissions. And, but then later, he goes on to talk about the methane gases. So he's actually talking about the fertilizers that are being used to fertilize the crops, not the agricultural emissions of the crops themselves. Maybe he should have specified that. So basically, and, you know, of course, they're on their meat kick. Uh, he was also talking about the fact that um, people need to stop eating meat. 
Uh, Bill Gates is there beside him, and he's talking about his uh, genetically manufactured meat, his lab meat. And, you know, if you look at that, that's going to be 10 times worse for, number one, to manufacture that. It's going to be 10 times worse for the environment than a natural cow. You know, I'm sorry, but that, that's called a bowel movement. They're animals just like people. We have those same functions as they do. The only difference is that we go to a restroom and we have a device that we sit on and then we flush it through a septic system where cows is left out in the open. But are you kidding me right now? You're going to talk about a methane gas being an agricultural emission and so people should stop planting fields because of the fertilizer. Yet you're going to go and get on a jet and fly anywhere you want to go all the time. You have people drive you everywhere. You don't drive yourself. You're in a, an SUV or part of a motorcade. You're in jets. You're in helicopters. You go all over the place. You're going to the uh, the World Economic Forum each year, flying overseas. So think about all the emissions that come out of these jets. And then when they get there, they get out of a plane. They get in a vehicle to drive them the rest of the way, or the uh, helicopter and then a vehicle. So they're using three different means of transportation, all mass producers. And we're not talking about electric cars like they you know, want to push on us. We're talking about big gas guzzling SUVs, methane gas, and stop growing agricultural emissions. Give me a break. Read between the lines. But I bet you're going to love the Chips Act. I bet you still want Taiwan to create all, make all those chips for us. Of course you do. You don't think there's emissions from agriculture, from, I'm sorry, from uh, manufacturing, from industrial? Are you kidding me? Anytime that a, a, a material like a metal you know, or an iron or, or a plastic even has to be heated and be molded, that heat's got to have an exhaust that comes out somewhere. There's an emissions. Get out of here. Read between the lines. I mean, this, it, it actually makes me sick that that's – and there's going to be actually people that are going to fall for this and believe this. It, it's an atrocity. It's atrocious. And here's my question. Okay, so he wants people to stop – he wants farmers to stop planting their fields. He wants them to seize their growing operations or harvesting operations. He wants us to stop eating meat so we get rid of cows. Um, so I guess you know the global depopulation, that's for cattle and also for humans, uh, both. We'll probably be put in the cattle pen here or put out to pasture at some point if they have their way. So, But my question is this. Bill Gates in China own the majority of American farmland today. They are the majority owners. By square acreage, they own more farmland than anyone in the world. Uh, and China owns it kind of as a corporation. Bill Gates owns it as an individual. He is the American's leader in individual you know, farmland ownership. And he has a, a, an exclusive contract with the, the McDonald's brand and their, their chain of their franchise of fast food restaurants for their french fries because he has potato farms. So my question is this, does Bill Gates need to halt his growing operations for his potatoes? Probably not. But all the other, you know, farmers depending on crops that we as people depend on for food, we should stop. We should starve ourselves and go without. But Bill Gates, can, he can sell his french fries. He can grow potatoes, sell his french fries to McDonald's. Yeah. It, then Kerry says he doesn't call it climate change anymore. Now, now it's climate crisis. So we we had yet another climate name change. I remember back in the day when they called it global warming. You heard Al Gore. That's all he ever spoke about. Uh, you talk about a uh, a robotic individual. And all you heard was global warming, global warming, global warming, global warming, global warming. And then it became you don't ever hear global warming anymore. You'll hear about keeping the temperature down. It cannot raise, as John Kerry would say, it cannot raise another half degree. But you never hear the actual global warming name. Now it's climate change. Well, it was. Now our climate czar, who must have this extensive past, um, you know, in some sort of uh, um, a microecology or biology, you know, I'm guessing he probably has doctorates all over the place for this, even though I've never heard of it. It's just beyond me. Now, now, it's, now it's a climate crisis. And he said his life and other people, his associates, his colleagues, their lives depend on it. Buddy, you're old. I mean, God willing, you know, 
I would say at the most you probably you might have what twenty years left if you're eighty. Come on, Carrie. What are they putting in the ketchup out there? That's what I'm going to want to ask the question of here soon. And how the hell is that going to go into effect? Let me ask you that. You want you want your wife's company, uh, her family's business to continue driving? I'm sure because you're money hungry. You're a greedy bastard. Heinz ketchup. What do they make that out of? Tomatoes. Where do they come from? The ground. They grow. They're a crop. So are you going to go urge? The people that supply Heinz 57 with their tomatoes, or the commercial growers, are you going to tell them to stop their operations because of agricultural emissions? I'm going to, I'm going to guess probably not. No. It, Marjorie Taylor uh, Greene, I'm telling her impeachment can't come soon enough. She did file article uh, articles of impeachment again. If you remember correctly, she did it immediately uh, in 2000. Um, 2021 almost immediately and that was uh hr 57 or <clears throat> house resolution 57 and she just filed again on um on the 18th of may thank god but of course you know house republicans and especially the the weasel that is now speaker of the house kevin mccarthy it, it's not going to be put up it, it was considered it was it was heard it was introduced we're just going to go through a million committees until it comes back for a House floor vote, as always. But, you know, the process, whenever they impeach Trump, bada-bing, bada-boom, bam, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. All Adam Schiff had to do was open his mouth, and they were flying through the proceedings. I wonder if it'll get that fast with a, a proven criminal. It cannot come soon enough. On a lighter note, um, I mentioned the New York Post earlier. And I actually read a very interesting story there, one that I was unaware of. And I'm very interested. I'm going to actually keep following up with the story to see how it progresses and how, you know, what kind of a a resolution or a conclusion comes from this uh, when it's all said and done, because I've never heard of this happening. But it's very logical, really, uh, or practical, I should say. I mean, it it makes perfect sense. And I'm I'm surprised that we haven't heard more of this happening in the past. Uh, But... There was a uh, $2.04 billion Powerball jackpot uh, that was drawn back on November 8, 2022. And it was not claimed, and this is really surprising as well, the fact that, and that's what kind of throws some suspicion and in, uh, into the air, if you will, so to speak. Something smells fishy. Um, and it's not Kamala Harris this time, but... He did not cash, the, the winner who claimed the winning ticket did not cash it in from November 8th when it was drawn uh, until about early to mid-February, which was a little strange to me. Uh, his name was actually, uh, it's Edwin Castro, and he's from California. And he was recently, May 17th, he was served papers uh, re- notifying him, making him aware of a legal, uh, a civil suit that was being taken against him, uh, as of right now anyway, I'm sure there is an investigation now uh, in place and being conducted in terms of possible criminal activity, and a lot of times that's how this will go. You'll end up having, uh, sometimes you'll have a criminal um, charges, and then if nothing comes out, then you'll have civil, or even if there is, a civil suit will follow them, because if you can show plausibility or show uh, if somebody's liable, obviously then it's you know, it's a short deal for a civil suit, but this time they're they're starting with a civil suit, and I think that they're hoping because because uh, they don't have I guess there's really no evidence as to yet until they they surveil or watch the surveillance cameras and you know, review everything. But you might see the civil suit turning into a criminal prosecution to follow. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of details that are still kind of left out of this that are not being made public anyway, um, or maybe they're just not known. Period. But he was served, it was May 17th, Castro served papers at his new $25 million estate uh, that covers over 13, the, the building at home alone uh, ended up, yeah, home alone, uh, the, the house alone ended up totally or being in excess of 13,000 square feet. And, of course, you can't have a $25 million home uh, with, you know, 13,000 plus square footage without having a $250,000 vintage porch in the driveway. I mean, come on. You can't have one without the other. You know what I mean? It, it, you can't. It's it's like having a, an ice cream sundae and not having whipped cream and a cherry on the top. It, it, it just wouldn't belong otherwise. But he would serve papers, and 
he must have either a relative or he has some security hired um, that tried to go out and snowball the people that were serving these papers because you know how that works. It's, it's like if you're being subpoenaed, uh, and that's basically what, you know, when you're being uh, made, given notice and being served papers for a, a civil suit, that basically is a subpoena. Um, and they, they have to have receipts of acknowledgments. Yeah, a receipt of acknowledgment stating that the people are aware because they accepted it. So now that, that way, if they don't show, then they can obviously they can push forward with uh, contempt of court charges, and then it can definitely become criminal uh, from that point on. So he had this guy go out, and he tried to say that they had their own guy, uh, that the Edwin um, Castro that they were looking for didn't live there. He knew nothing about what was going on. It was somebody that must be working or related to Edwin Castro. And after so long, I guess the gig was up, and the guy ended up taking the, the letter and took it uh, wherever Castro was located, in, in the house maybe, um, and gave it to him. And so they got their receipt of acknowledgement from, from the civil suit uh, papers being served. Uh, and that was, again, that was on May 17th. And in the lawsuit, it alleges that Castro had stolen the winning ticket from the plaintiff, whose name is Jose Rivera. Uh, and Jose Rivera claims that he had bought the ticket at a gas station uh, in California, back on November 7th, the day prior to the Powerball jackpot drawing, which was on November 8th. Um, it, I think, I'm not sure how you pronounce I'm not good with a lot of these words out there in California, especially a lot of ones that have, like, a, a Hispanic heritage to it. Um, out, is it uh, Altuda, maybe, or something to that effect? Um, that's where the gas station was that the, the ticket was purchased originally. It was a uh, Joe service center where they had purchased a ticket. Uh, and R Rivera right now, basically everything for him, his hopes of being able to recover anything at this point in time, um, is resting on the surveillance footage that they should have. I, when you have a Pennsylvania, or not Pennsylvania, I'm just saying that here, but if, if most states, if you have a lottery system in place somewhere at a store, gas station, you have to have, they will not issue you a license and permit you to sell you know, their lottery tickets uh, and their gaming without surveillance. That way if something happens, you know, because then the store could easily, somebody working there owning the store could, you know, could have a malpractice of their own uh, and decide to not be honest individuals. And if they don't have that in place, then obviously, you know, the lottery uh, gaming commission would, they would be out money because they would have no way of being able to prove what had taken place. So Jose Rivera and his attorneys are hoping that um, they, I guess, have subpoenaed the, uh, the surveillance footage. That is being currently reviewed and investigated, combing over it. And, you know, he, he claims that the, the camera will show he is the one that bought the ticket. Now, the only question that I have, things get a little fishy, too, with uh, some other factors. But even before we discuss that, I mean, what's the chances? I know myself here. I don't usually play the lottery. I say all the time, Man, I wish I could just win just one lottery. It don't even have to be a, a major jackpot. Just even like $300,000 would be enough for me to do what I want to do, what I had, you know, have plans that I could do if I would have the, the, uh, the business capital and, you know, to, to move forward and to put in place and, and be able to grow that money properly. But then I remember that I have to play the lottery to be able to win the lottery. And I don't play lottery. I never do. Um, <clears throat> unless it's in a work environment. If, colleagues co-workers they you know it seems like once a jackpot hits so many millions or nowadays even you know billions then everybody wants to throw their money in because if you get more tickets you better your chances and everybody will will split the winnings if you would actually end up winning uh which i've been a part of that before in the past but we've never won anything major whatsoever other than enough to go get the next round of tickets maybe uh if we had like one or two numbers correct and then we get another round for the next week if nobody hits it, that that uh, jackpot that week um but yeah that's anything like so if he is the surveillance footage shows that he was the rightful purchaser of these of the ticket um and i'm you know they're saying ticket so i'm guessing it's just a single ticket <coughs> which is kind of weird you would think that if <coughs> you think if you're going to buy one ticket for a major powerball that is you know offering a jackpot purse of 2.04 billion dollars you would buy multiple tickets but that's here nor there but who's to say then, and that's what you have to question now, and think about when you do these work pools, uh, when everyone pulls their money together to go in and buy a, you know, a much larger group of lottery tickets for these drawings. If that, and that's why I want to know how this works and how it plays out at the end and what the final result and uh, see what kind of resolution comes about out of this case. Let's say that Rivera is seen on, on surveillance, and he is shown that he is the sole purchaser of this ticket 
He's the only man in front of the counter buying this ticket um, yeah, at the exact time. So that, you know, obviously, that goes into the system. They'll be able to show. They'll be able to put the time stamp and see exactly when the purchase was made. That's how they'll know what ticket was sold at that exact time uh, because I'm sure they only have one person working the actual ticket counter. You know, and selling wouldn't have multiple because it's on a, a state-generated system. Uh, so you'd only be able to have one person occupying at a time selling a ticket or you know, at a time or a lot of tickets at a time. So that's what I'm wondering. If, if he's seen as a rightful purchaser and this ends up being turned over uh, and where he goes after Cruz or uh, Castro, rather, I'm sorry, for whatever money's left, let's put it like that. I'm sure Castro is now probably on a spending spree unless they froze his account. Um, you know, barring, uh, you know, a, a different outcome to this thing, maybe that's what they did. I, I, the New York Post did not mention anything like that of seizing or freezing a, you know, any bank accounts to, you know, prevent any more money from being spent until there, uh, there is a resolution. But if he's a rightful owner, who's to say then, like, in a situation like that, if, a, and I'm not saying he did, but let's say he had a bunch of coworkers that all went in and he said, you know, you know what, I'll run on my lunch break. I go to lunch first. I'll run over, you know, I don't have anything to do today on my lunch break. I'll go to the store, I'll get her tickets, bring them back, you know, we'll get, write down a number so everyone sees what we have. So then it, if this makes him the rightful purchaser because he was the one handing the money over, making the actual commerce, the exchange, and then that awards him the ticket, how would that roll out then? Like I said, if somebody wanted to get greedy in a work pool situation and takes the ticket, I mean, for that kind of money, you can leave your life behind. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, you could easily, you, you know, if somebody usually somebody at at that job at that workplace that's doing this will say, "Well, leave the tickets in this drawer or in my desk drawer, you know, until that day." And blah 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 blah. <clears throat> we have all the names written down. You know, who paid what? Everyone's paid for. And then if we win, we'll all sign the back of the ticket. We'll all go together. We'll claim this money. That's enough money you could start your life over in a whole new country if you wanted to. So who's to say that you couldn't weasel your way out of this? Uh, that's why I, I want to know what precedent is in place. And that doesn't mean that that'll be the precedent in every state, but it, it'll, it's interesting to see how that'll work out in the state of California. Uh, I'm in Pennsylvania. It could be, be totally different. I don't know. But the other thing, there's also a co-defendant being named in this civil suit. And that is a man by the name of, who went by the name of Reggie. Uh, his real name, I guess, it's uh, Yurichi F. Romero, or Yuriki, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but the last name is Romero. <clears throat> He's listed as a co-defendant in this uh, case. It's going to be heard in the Superior Court, uh, in Alhambra uh, Superior Court case. And so far, there's no explanation of how the theft occurred or how it had taken place or how Castro possessed the ticket because Rivero is claiming that the ticket was taken by a man named Reggie who ends up being Romero. But Castro is the man who ends up with the ticket at the end of the day or you know, later on in February when he cashes it in months later. So no one knows how the ticket was taken from Rivera and ended up in the hands of this Reggie or this Romero. And how then it went from Romero to Castro or why Castro did not cash this ticket in or claim ownership until three months later or four months later. I mean, that's. That's odd. When you're holding on to that kind of money, unless they were starting to get paranoid and feeling the pressure because Rivera's knocking on the door, hey, where, where's my money? Where's my money, pal? Yeah, that might be because he did say Rivera, or, uh, Rivera actually said that he had gone and uh, not accosted, but he went and he confronted Romero about the ticket. And he said, "You, hey, where's my ticket? I want the ticket back. And I guess Romero allegedly uh, tried to play the game uh, i guess he tried to say that you know, look man i don't know I, I i get what you're saying but i don't know i lost it i wish i knew where it was trust me i'm looking everywhere for it you know I, that, that's a lot of money dude I, I promise if i find it i don't believe it you know you had it i believe it's my ticket but if i find it i'll split it with you down the line 50 50 if i can if i ever find a ticket well of course that's the easy way out i mean anyone can say that and obviously, uh, the ticket was found, and he did not offer to split anything with Rivera. I have a funny feeling that it's being split between Romero and Castro, uh, and you know, for and whatever the terms of the agreement may be between the two, I, I don't know. Um, but <clears throat> Rivera's hopeful anyway that the surveillance cameras are going to prove 
that he was the rightful owner, the purchaser of that winning ticket at Joe's Service Center. Um, like I said, the lawsuit was filed in February. Castro, the, the, pot, the jackpot was worth a uh, reported $2.04 billion, but Castro was quick to take it. And that, that's smart, too, because then you're not taking the annuity payments and you're getting it all at once, I guess, if, if you, especially if you're guilty. And, and honestly, I mean, my age, turning 41 soon, I wouldn't take the annuity either. At that kind of money, if you can't save, even with taxes, if you can't put that money back and save and live for the rest of your life and make sure that the next five generations behind you can afford to live off what he got as a lump sum payment, which was $997.6 million, then you're a fool. So I would have done the same as him. Take that quick, take the quick money. Why not? Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that, that's where we're at right now. He ended up buying uh, the $25 million home, and then he had another home that he bought. He had purchased two multimillion-dollar homes, maybe one on each coast. I don't know. Maybe one for his mother, one for himself. There's, there's no uh, real detail other than the fact that he has two multimillion-dollar homes, one is worth or was purchased at around $25 million. That was the one exceeding 13,000 square footage, uh, and it had a $250,000 uh, Porsche sitting, uh, an old vintage Porsche sitting in the driveway. So uh, a representative or a spokesperson for the California State Lottery Commission uh, actually said when it comes to the vetting process um, for the winners, he said the California Lottery has the, the utmost confidence in its process, and so and I do uh, – so do I, basically. So he said California Lottery remains uh, confident that Edwin Castro is the rightful winner of that $2.04 billion prize, uh, prize money stemming from the Powerball jackpot drawing in November 8, 2022. <clears throat> so he, you know, the, that don't sound, that sounds a little funny also. Immediately, and, and I didn't know either that there's a vetting process. I mean, I would imagine it. If you had a winning ticket, you walk in. I mean, I know I wouldn't want to take the risk of mailing it. I would take it in person to, uh, into the office of you know, the gaming commission or whatever, uh, and I would hand it in personally. I'd make sure that I had three, four, five, six forms of ID. Uh, didn't make sure I was covered, but I didn't realize that there's an actual vetting process. This spokesman from the Lottery Gaming uh, Commission says that there is. So maybe there is. I don't, I'm, a, I'm a unaware. I didn't realize that's how it worked. But this guy's saying he's so confident. They're sure Castro is the winner. They're confident in their vetting process, or maybe he's covering for himself because they're thinking, you know, we, we should have probably asked more questions. Maybe we should have looked at the fact that he was super eager when he walked in that door with sunglasses on. I, I don't know. Maybe Castro and Romero uh, went in and said, look, you know, whoever who's involved in the vetting process, I'm sure it's not like 30, 40 people. It's probably narrowed down maybe two or three. You know, look, we'll take care of you. I mean, honestly, for even a million dollars, people will sell their souls. Especially right now when you, you know, you're paying with the gas hike that just happened here for Memorial Day weekend, you're paying $4 or more or close to it for a gallon of gas. We're still paying $6 for a gallon of milk. You know, you're, you're paying $70, $80 for a good quality uh, 4x8 slab of uh, plywood. And, you know, building materials are through the roof. Everything's through the roof. Heating costs this past winter uh, were expected to rise by 17%, and they did not fail to uh, meet that expectation either. So, you know, people will right now, they will sell their soul for a million dollars. Now, if I were, that's the only thing. If, if I were to win a, a lottery of that magnitude, of such, you know, epic proportion, and then knowing what we know about the way uh, the, the dollar is crashing, you know, the BRICS nations that are moving away from the, the U.S. petrodollar to make their transactions uh, and complete their transactions for oil, and moving away from that, and they're setting up their own gold and silver-backed currency. Do you think the U.S. is going to look at that and be like, maybe they're on to something, guys. Maybe we should do that, too. You know, our people have only been crying a foul ever since uh, FDR made all private owners of gold and silver forfeit everything they had and sold the rest to uh, Rothschilds and, you know, places where it ended up in the Vatican. Maybe we should uh, do a gold and silver-backed currency. No, 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 we're not going to do that. Hell with that. Why would we do that? We'll just keep with that central banking system, the Federal Reserve, and do a digital currency that we can steal from the people. That's expected. The FedNow app, which is a lot like the Cash app, uh, was, but it's a federally governed exchange of, of a digital currency. It's coming in July. It's going to be rolled out and made available. I urge you to not comply. 
Do not accept it. Do not consent to it. Do not comply with it. Because it's how you're going to lose everything. At this point in time, I don't have enough to even consider uh, a run-on bank, you know, for me or my family. So it's not like I'm making that mad dash, but if I were anyone else, I'd be getting to the banks. I'd be taking all my money out. I'd be going straight to a certified, very reputable, high-scoring gold and silver dealer, and I would be getting bullions, I would be getting bars, and I would be getting a fireproof safe. And that's what I would do because at least then you have something to trade and barter if the shit, the proverbial shit hits the fan. And if it does, John Kerry is going to want it to stop because of methane gas. Read between the lines. Read between the lines. I'm thinking uh, maybe maybe Edwin Castro and or Jose Rivera, uh, either way, or both, could maybe contribute uh, some of that, that winnings to the uh, the United States federal government to handle this debt ceiling crisis. I mean, it, we're already expected to give large sums to them anyway and to cover their own uh, personal agendas, so, I mean, why not? But that's not going to be the case, and uh, instead... Speaker McCarthy has uh, he he's caved in, just like we knew he would. There, that's what the Republicans uh, of late have been known for, is giving in and not being able to hold your ground. And that's exactly why I was in favor of uh, the, you know the Never Kevin Club, such as your your Lauren uh, Boebert and your Matt Gates. And it, it's sad that the younger uh, conservatives are the ones. They're usually a younger conservative base are usually the ones that are going to have a tendency to lean towards the moderate side. And instead, they were they were holding uh, true to their convictions. They were being very firm in their way. Um, And then President Trump came in and Marjorie Taylor Greene immediately was uh, a part of that process as she was relaying messages uh, from the former president to different uh, members of the Republican Party during that last vote. Uh, the last session that when he was uh, desperately, so desperately needing the, the 218 votes. And then, uh, of course, Bobert uh, at the end and Gates, they finally conceded uh, due to you know, terms that they were being told, negotiating terms that were going to be included in uh, McCarthy's being placed into the speaker position or playing that role. Uh, and we haven't seen any of those things, uh, guarantees, come to fruition yet. So here we have McCarthy, and not only do they lift the debt ceiling, it's not even on a temporary basis. They lift the debt ceiling for two years. Now, of course, they say that uh, barring any you know expenses that would be needed by the Department of Defense, that that, of course, would be an exception to the rule. Otherwise, it's going to cut spending and slash spending here and slash spending there. Do you really expect to be able to hold this Democratic administration to their word on that? If you think you can, then you are an idiot. Their goal is to break the bank. Uh, I heard, you know, back when uh, the Republicans first took their very slim margin of control, majority control of the House, uh, which would have began when the 118th Congress began session, uh, back right after McCarthy was placed into the Speaker position, that there would be no more spending, not one cent, would be appropriated to Ukraine to aid or aid them or even NATO or allied forces. There would be no more American support. Not one penny would be going to Ukraine or in that effort that would be in any way benefiting uh, the Ukraine-Russia war until we have an auditor, auditor general put in place that would conduct an audit and see exactly where the money that was appropriated, where it's being spent and how it's being spent. And yet, the Biden administration just continues to give. It was just a few weeks ago that they were giving you know, an, another billion dollars away of our tax money that we are paying for because we have to pay for pensions of Ukrainian citizens who are being affected by this war. What about the people here at home in America and how we're being affected? We, we give no consideration to that. So now we list the debt ceiling for not one year, but two years. And that's a concern to me because two years takes us to what year? 2025. And anyone that is privy of the knowledge of uh, the overall brevity of of the situation here is the UN's agenda, a very progressive agenda, which was Agenda 21, then Agenda 25, 
Agenda 30, and of course they have an Agenda uh, agenda 50, and I believe there might even be one now added in between there, which is Agenda 40. Keep in mind, <coughs> folks, that Kevin McCarthy is a member of the World Economic Forum. So, of course, he's going to be playing right into the hands of the globalists. And now we're going to trust him to stick to his guns and be be firm and you know, not budge? He's going to be, you know, con- solidarity with the, the, the Republican Party? Obviously not, because they've reached an agreement. There's not going to be any extra additional funds. Uh, it's going to be hard to slash anything because of what is, needs to be paid, because they said right away, you know, obviously they will uh, make the exception if something would arise, a situation shall arise, you know, in regards to the Department of Defense for our or homeland security uh to secure our borders they claim that that will secure our borders and that they will get their uh border act passed and put through which i don't see that happening just like they were when uh you know they were supposed to go take care of the border after proposition 42 came to an end and even governor abbott who was a a a rhino in his own right down in texas and he was supposed to he's sitting in the national guard because they were supposed to corral these people and make sure that they did not gain entry. And they were going to be you know, a, a force to be reckoned with. And what did we find out there? The National Guard was there basically to, as a liaison uh, or a chauffeur, basically to help them get to where they needed to load onto the buses to be taken somewhere inside of the United States and left out. Uh, this is a, a complete catastrophe, and it is a... It's not a joke because there's nothing funny about it. There's no mistakes being made here. This is all being done blatantly on purpose. And we are the ones that will pay for it dearly. Dearly. I'm just beside myself. We were supposed to have an auditor general for the war in Ukraine to tell us where that money is being spent. And instead, it's, it's being put all over the place, going into all kinds of hands. It is the same ordeal as what we're watching with the Biden crime family and the way that they're laundering money through so many different networks uh, and channels before it returns. But it all, ultimately, it will return back. And Zelensky, they said he has already pocketed, I think, over $500 million of our money that we have been sending. That's been his keep, his commission on these deals of every time that money and aid is sent over there. And, of course, I just saw that now Iran is having tensions, which I don't have any mercy or pity or sympathy for them whatsoever. Uh, but Iran is having tensions now uh, arise between themselves and that of the Taliban in a- Afghanistan. And Afghanistan is they're, – they're storming their border. And guess what they're storming that border in? In our equipment that was left behind for them, a gift to the world. What a great gift that we leave people. Here, you know what? We have one hell of a mess to clean up, but we're not going to. We'll let it for somebody else, and it'll become their problem, and it'll be weaponized and used against other other nations. If you ask me, that was done purposely because Iran's one of those. They, they certainly have nuclear weapons. They want a nuclear holocaust. They will not be happy because they have shelter. They have shelter set up for themselves that they can live 25 years after a nuclear holocaust, and they will be fine. And they're crazy. That's not going to bother them one bit to be in a a stowaway in in some sort of a uh, cavernous type of environment or living environment for themselves in in the middle of a mountain, like literally in the mountain itself, below the ground or in the ground. That don't bother these people because they're sick. They're sadistic. It's just like people that, you know, are completely out of their mind crazy that are, you know, cold-hearted killers and murderers. It doesn't bother them to sit forever on, you know, death row, which they don't even have anymore realistically in most uh, most states. It don't bother them to serve life sentences in prison because they actually become acclimated and they adapt to that isolation and they feed on it. Read between the lines. We have some major problems in, in Texas. I, I, for years, especially over the last uh, four to five years, I've heard people in Texas about, yeah, wow, that's one thing. Well, Texas will secede from the nation. You know, we are, they're the gunslinging, gun-toting, blah, 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 blah. They're the original cowboys, and no, they're not. They are having dissent in their own state uh, like never before. They're seeing it with a 
governor in Abbott that is a complete rhino, and I still believe that he has many ties to the Mexican drug cartels and the trafficking cartels. He is involved in human sex trafficking. He is involved in drug trafficking, and he's getting a payoff. And no, no one will convince me otherwise. Now, I know there's also a lot of uh, upheaval right now in the state of Texas over their attorney general, Ken Paxton, uh, who is being impeached. They had just voted, actually, uh, what was it, about a day or two ago. Uh, the votes came in, and they successfully voted for his impeachment. Uh, I think the final tally was somewhere like 121 to 23 with, um, what did they say, I think two members that had voted absent. Or voted present, I'm sorry, which basically lowers the number of required votes for what it is, for what their goal is, what the aim is. Um, just like whenever McCarthy got in as Speaker of the House. Originally, he needed 218 votes to qualify him. Uh, that would place him into the, the spot uh, to succeed Nancy Pelosi. And, and once Gates and Boebert ended up voting present, that knocked it down to where he only needed 216 votes. So they were able to impeach uh, Ken Paxton now. That's a whole ordeal. I see a lot of people online right now on social media, and they're from Texas. They're proud Texas people, and they're pissed off. And they're, they're calling uh, various people out, especially rhinos, in their state legislature. Uh, the state legislature is the ones that impeached uh, the attorney general, who by the, the Texas state constitution now has to sit aside and wait for the verdict from the Senate because the Senate will now have control of whether or not it will be based on their vote of whether or not he is going to be removed from his position, which to me is the entire point of impeachment. Otherwise, it's just grandstanding uh, to make a splash in, in the news and get attention. And a lot of Texans don't like it. They're saying that it's their, the rhinos that are controlling their state legislature uh, that's creating a problem, and they're all pissed off about Paxton. A lot of people, I think, are pissed off, I'm going to be honest, because Trump supported him. Trump endorsed him at one point in time. So I think that is a reason for why they're so pissed off. I mean, right now, if Donald Trump said jump off a bridge, people are going to do it. it that, that bothers me a little bit because it's the same people that are your, the Facebook Christians that are constantly you know, spreading the word and witnessing for God, and that's great, and I'm glad they do that. But at the same time, they're guilty of false idolatry. Whatever that man says, they follow blindly, and I still think it's a little early in the game to do that when you look at some of the overall factors some of the executive orders that Obama had uh, signed you know, into an effective law, basically, that he could have reversed. I mean, we see it with Joe Biden reversing many of the Trump executive orders, but he didn't do that. He wielded power to FEMA. Now we have reports are saying that there's at least a thousand, if not more than a thousand FEMA camps that are being prepared and have been being prepared over the last two and a half years all over this country for the takeover, for the Great Reset. And for any dissidents, which that's going to include me. So, yeah, thanks a lot. And I think you'll find that Walmart's complicit in that as well. Or implicit, I should say. I'm, uh, for uh, had the terminology there uh, backwards a little bit. But uh, a lot of their stores that where they had store closings, they're turning those things in because that's a perfect place, especially for max housing, uh, turning some former uh, psychological um, mental hospitals that were built to house many. Uh, they're reforming them and turning them and preparing them into FEMA camps as well. And they're going to use that to, so people aren't scared. They will use the guise of, obviously, immigrants. And we have to have somewhere to put these place, these people because the states in the cities that wanted to be sanctuary states, sanctuary cities, now all of a sudden they don't want them. But yet they'll still encourage them to come. It's unbelievable. And turn in terms of Paxton, as far as I'm concerned, I don't live in, in Texas, so I really don't have a dog in that fight. But I do know I did a little bit of research, and I do know that he, at one point he was practicing law, um, working with a, a, a tech company, and was practicing law when he was not licensed to do so. He was not covered. He did not have an updated license with the, uh, with the State Bar Association, and he was practicing law illegally i mean that, that's a crime and there are other uh, factors that that went into it especially because of the money that was made um and then also investments that were involved he was indicted not once but twice by the uh by the sec one was after an appeals process the charges ended up being dismissed 
but he still has one that's open, and it's been open since 2014 or 2015, I believe. And then the case was to be tried, actually, uh, in 2017, but somehow there's been a miraculous delay year after year of ever getting it to trial. Well, when he's the attorney general of the state, I think you can kind of uh, read between the lines. He has a current lawsuit against him right now, and that is by, uh, I believe, four former employees that turned whistleblower because they saw the corruption that was taking place in the office of the attorney general. These are staffers. They end up blowing the whistle on Paxton for his illegal activities, abusing power uh, and other crimes of that nature, and he fires them within two weeks, whatever happened to the whistleblower act. Uh, that makes you look very guilty when you fire them as soon as they, you know, as soon as they stand up and, and say anything about you, you fire them and to, pretty much to try to destroy any uh, vetting process that could have taken place inside of that institution. He also settled a, a, a $3.3 million lawsuit against himself that was against him, not the state, but against him as the state attorney general. And he paid that off, not out of his estate, but he paid it with Texas taxpayer dollars. If that were me, I would be livid. But there's a lot of people defending the guy right now. To me, I think it sounds like Texas has just a complete overall institutional problem. We already know that, you know, on the federal level, Jim Corden's not who he has claimed to be throughout the years. Yeah, I, I haven't done a lot of homework on Chip Roy because he's newer to the game. But... There are certain things I, I don't really care for about him, and he was actually served as the assistant attorney general uh, to Ken Paxton at one time before he was put into his office and won his election in 2019. He actually voted against overturning elections back in 2020. That I will stand with President Trump on. But what are the what are the Republicans? What have they done? We are still sending money to Ukraine. We have still not seen one measure taken against election, uh, any type of election fraud or you know, interference. Nothing. We can't even get voter ID passed. And now we're going to lift the debt ceiling and concede. Concede. One of, the, one of the deals and part of the negotiations for Kevin McCarthy to become speaker was that we would get an attempt at legislation for congressional and senatorial term limits put in place in D.C., no talk of that yet. None. Zilch. Zero. And I think that is absolutely despicable. That's just my opinion. Republicans in power, if you need to prove yourself, because right now all you're doing is you're, you're giving credence to what everybody else has been saying. You're just supplying the credibility. You're giving them the ammo. When they say you're a rhino, you're proving them to be correct. Prove us wrong. That's why I left the Republican Party, because it's weak. They've dragged your feet for how long? I know they didn't have control of the House. I get it. But even now, you know, they're taking their dear old time, it seems like, with the, the whole Biden investigation. And now with the articles of impeachment from MTG, and it was introduced. But it could have been fast-tracked. We've seen Chuck Schumer fast-track things over on the Senate side as, as a majority leader. Why is that not taking the same process as not taking place on, on the Republican side in Congress? Answers that we deserve to have and we're not receiving. Answers that we deserve to have and we're not receiving. And that's a major problem. And the news media is still every bit implicit. I know we didn't get our red wave, and I think I know why, and I think many of you will agree with me why we didn't get the red wave that we were expecting. But for God's sakes... You have control of one of, of the two major uh, you know, branches of our government here. You have two chambers of, of, of Congress. You have the Senate, and you have the United States House of Representatives. We have control of the one. Why are we not doing anything? I understand Congress can't levy charges. They can suggest the charges, however. <clears throat> and they do have, they're all about, their, they're in charge of appropriations. They are the financial, the fiscal funding of any planning that takes place in our government. And right now we have to lift the debt ceiling for two years and trust that the Democrats won't come up with – and that was the other thing with the, the omnibus. 
I thought we were told that there would never be, if, if Speaker McCarthy got into that position, that there would be no more earmarks, there would be no more omnibus bills. <clears throat> what did we just see? We just saw, uh, in terms of the debt ceiling, uh, we just saw that an omnibus, and they're saying, well, don't worry, by lifting the debt ceiling, we're, we're still, it's much better than what the omnibus was going to be. The omnibus shouldn't even have been considered. That should have been taken out of the equation immediately. The only thing that I've seen changed is, is the fact that they're not getting bills placed on their desk or actually sent an email in the middle of the night and told, we're going to vote on this in two hours. That's the only thing I've seen. So we will see more what happens. Uh, I got another story for the next episode that we were going to talk about. I just want to thank everybody. This is all the time for now. Happy, safe Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy it. Welcome to the Masquerade. We will be back with an all-new episode number four for season number four. I am the original Joshy Cox. Welcome to the Masquerade. Read between the lines.